Okay, so here is what we are going to do now. We are going to get ready for Pastor Ryan McCarty to come and bring us the word this morning. And I just, yeah. Look, at they're already standing. They can't even. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold, sit, sit down, sit down. You can get up in just a minute, all right? I just wanted to say that it is my privilege um, to be here. And I would not be here if it were not for Ryan and Katara. Um, I walked through these doors. Oh, God. Okay, I walked through these doors 11 years ago, and my entire life changed. And when no one else would count me in, when no one else said, when everyone looked at me and said, you're not qualified enough, you don't have enough education, you don't have enough, life, enough charisma, no one told me that. But, like, you know, like, when everyone else pointed and said, like, we, you're, you don't have what we need, these guys said, we've got you. And they covered us as we started our church in Michigan, and they've continued covering us and then asking us to come in here. And so I say it often, but I... I'm a result of the McCartys. I know that. I would not be standing in this place this morning if they had not said yes to God. And so we're not just celebrating 16 years as a church together, but we're celebrating 16 years of these incredible people saying yes to God because none of us would be sitting here if it, were, if it weren't. And when Anthony said earlier that the thing I love about this church is honor, that is something I've learned so much in my life is that you honor those who have gone before you. Because what they have done has set you the course that you are on. And so thank you guys so much for, for your faithfulness. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for the house. No, I mean, no wait. I forgot. I'm, I'm still paying a mortgage. Um, but, <laughs> but thank you for all you've done. And I'm so excited to have you back in this pulpit. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been like February. Yeah. So now can we give a God's house welcome to Pastor Ryan McCarty. Yeah. All right, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Go ahead and grab a seat if you would. I'm going to ask Pastor Guitar to come on up here. Can you give her some love? It's been, it's been a morning. It's been a morning. Yeah, we woke up and I was like so excited for God's house. I, I mean, I was like, I got out of bed. I was like, I'm going to God's house. I'm going to God's house. It's like, it's like so exciting, right? And then, and then like the drive down here, we were talking to Brenna in oh, Australia. Hi. And she wanted us to tell everybody hi. Yeah, hi from Brenna. Yeah, and she's doing good. And then pulling into town, we came up to an accident with two cars and pulled people it out of vehicles. It just happened. Everybody Listen, was alive. And thank God. Can I just say no something? I'm sure you can. Pastor. <laughs> Pastor Ryan McCarty turned into a freaking superhero. He, like, it had just happened, so nobody was there except for us and, like, one other lady. He's, like, on top of the car, peeling the door open. Him and this other guy pulls this lady out of the side because the car was on its side. And I was standing there like, oh, my gosh, Superman. I am married to freaking Super Clark Kent. What the <laughs> f***? Everybody walked away from the wrecks. So I just want to give God praise for that because it looked like when I when we rolled up it was going to be fatal. Yeah, and it was not. Yeah. So God is good. Awesome. God is good. I was just overwhelmed by the leadership here at God's house, and that you have truly taken the torch, and you're not just taking a stroll with yes. the torch. You have taken the torch that we've passed to you, and you are running, and you are running fast, and you are running hard, and I could not be more proud of God's house 16 years ago. It's amazing. 
16 years ago, we started, um, actually longer than that. We started in our house yep. um, with about four people in our little living room. Um, let's see, who was there? Amy Pinkerton. Hi, Amy. Amy was at the house. <laughs> I think that's the only person left. <laughs> and she's just crazy enough to stick with us. So um, everybody Thank else you, was Amy. like, you're crazy. We're out of here. But anyway. It's all good. Um, it's beautiful to be here this morning. I feel so full um, just watching the worship and the baptisms. You're truly loving people um, how we taught you to love people. And um, Ryan and I have been to several churches and visited different places, and there's no place. I'm telling you, there's no not like a home. place like God's house. This yeah. is a special thing um, that we were able to uh, co-create with God and that you are continuing to co-create with God. So we're proud of you. Um, it's an amazing, amazing thing to be here this morning to celebrate 16 years, and I'm not any older. Are you? No, not no, a we're bit. Still, we're holding, holding yeah. at 20. Well, no, 20 was stupid. So, like, uh, what would you say, about 34? 34, 35. 35. We're holding at 35 years old. So why don't you put your hands together and give God praise because he's a good, good father. Thank you. As Pascatar said, it's really good to be here. Just the experience. I mean, coming from uh, that accident and then coming in here and just seeing lives transform. I'm like on this emotional roller coaster. I'm crying one second. I'm happy the next. I'm bawling. I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional wreck right now. So just bear with me. I haven't preached in six months, so this might be the longest sermon you've ever heard in your life. It better be really good since I've had six months to prepare it. And uh, no, seriously, just to be able to come back and the, the feeling of love. You know, there's, there's times where you walk into a room with a group of people and you feel it and you just know it. You know it's real. You don't have to have anyone define it for you. You don't have to have anyone write it down or, or, or put it in a message that explains what love is. We know what love is. And the moment you walk into God's house, you see it. You see it on people. You feel it. You, you embrace it. You're embraced. You're part of it. You belong. The reason that you're here is because somehow the narrative of God's house and your story line up. That there's this reality that each one of you that are in here uh, are relatable to the story of God's house, to uh, this little place in Marion, Indiana that has these, this great vision to impact the world and to make it better, to love people the way that they're supposed to be loved, the way that they deserve to be loved. Whether the entire world thinks they're not deserving of love, somehow you feel like that person should be loved. And that's the story of God's house. It resonates with your spirit. There's something inside of you that says, this, this is where I belong because I love people that way. Like, I don't judge people. I don't condemn them. I'm not, like, hyper-religious where I'm always looking down on other people and feeling like I have a bigger, a better spiritual pedigree. I just love people. And because of that love, your story kind of resonates with the narrative of God's house. And that's how we join into communities. And this is a faith community. But God's house is, no more, is, is definitely more than a building and stained glass windows. And God's house is bigger than, than brick and mortar. God's house is you. God's 
God's house is us. It's you and I. When we moved down to Indianapolis, we didn't leave God's house because we are God's house. There's a difference between just joining a community and being a part of it and feeling like you are the community. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And that's what we are doing at God's house is we're saying, like, let's bring in the broken. Let's bring in the hurting. Let's bring in the lost. Let's bring in the disenfranchised. Let's bring in the person that was hurt by the other church or by religion. Let's bring in the person that's been pushed to the corner. Uh, let's bring in, let's bring everybody. Let's bring people that have it all together and people that don't have it all together. Let's bring people from different races and religions and faiths and communities. And let's bring us all together and let's make the world better. Like, we really can make the world better. Let's not just come in here and hear somebody preach a sermon and talk about God. Let's, like, live God in the world. Let's, let's be a powerful force of good in the world. We can do that. We are the bearers of the brightest light that the world has ever seen. We're the body of Christ. We can't sit in pews and be happy that we're church people. If you're just happy sitting in a pew being a church person, then the narrative of God's house doesn't quite reflect your story. The narrative of God's house is completely different. The narrative of God's house is this is a community of faith. This is a people that are joining together every week. And what we do when we come in is... Over the last 16 years, we've celebrated all that God has done the, done the previous week. So you see those three that come up and get baptized. And you recognize, you can, you can sit there and you can look and you can see lives transformed. How powerful is the idea that a person's life can be transformed? 16 years ago, we were just a few people in a little rental house. We didn't have air conditioning. We had an air conditioner. But we didn't have air conditioning. Thank God that every window air conditioner has that fan button. I'm not even sure what that's for because there's no air coming through an air conditioner that doesn't have air conditioning. And we would turn that fan on and we'd be up in that little house with just a few people. And then it started to grow and quickly it started growing. Some of you remember maybe visiting with a friend or family member. And I remember a day that there were... 40 people, 40 adults, and 40 kids. And we, were, we had so many in this small little rental house, we had to move our church operation outside. And we were outside worshiping together and singing together. And cars were driving by like, what cult is starting uh, on, in Marion? Like, what in the world? We were outside and we were lifting our hands, just worshiping with this belief that Marion didn't need another church. The reason that we started was not because Marion was void of churches. The reason that we started God's house 16 years ago is because we recognized that there were people without hope that needed hope. There were people that were not loved that needed love. There were people that were not accepted that have been rejected that needed to be accepted. They needed a faith community. They needed people that would support them and get behind them and cheer them on in their faith, no matter where they were in their journey, whether they had just become a, a, a follower of Christ or whether they had been following Christ for 30 years, whatever it was, like, let's get together and let's support each other and let's, let's grow together as a place of love. And so we started just loving people. We started loving people, and, and we had the opportunity in those early days to have some really exciting moments. As we got up, Qatar and I can give you story after story after story about lives that have been transformed over the last 16 years. And I may believe that we're going to keep transforming lives over the next 16 years. Amen? Amen? 
And so, and so the process of just learning what this was supposed to look like, really, Katar and I thought we were we had it all figured out. And anytime you embark on anything with the Lord, you're 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 just dumb if you think you know what God's about to do. Like God has greater, bigger, more magnificent plans for your future than you could ever imagine. If you think you have your future figured out, but you put God into that future, all of a sudden your plans have to start changing. And we started recognizing early on, like God was doing this. It wasn't us. God's house has never been about Ryan and Katara. That's why we were able just about six months ago to step out and Pastor DJ and Kelsey came in and have done a phenomenal job at the church. Amen. Let's get some praise. Thank you guys so much. The greatest accomplishment that Qatar and I ever witnessed and were a part of here at God's house wasn't the planning of the school in Africa. It wasn't the Center for Success. It wasn't you know, all the parties that we've had and the block parties and backpacks, the greatest success I would say that we've had and the greatest accomplishment in our ministry was being able after 15 years to look at another couple and to look at a church and to look at a staff and to look at the elders. And how many believe we have a wonderful staff and elders here at God's house and leadership? Amen. The greatest accomplishment is to be able to hand this over and to come back six months later and to see lives still being transformed. Uncommon love still becoming common. People from every walk of life and every background and from different highs and different lows and different spiritual pedigrees and different denominations and in different churches, and some, some of you, you're here at God's house right now, and five years ago, you would have never seen yourself in this kind of church. You've been like, you crazy, I'm going to be at a church like God's house, but here you are, because something about the narrative of God's house uh, resonates with your own story, your own personal story. There's something that connects. There's something that ignites when you walk in. It makes sense to you. A lot of it may not make sense, but there's something about it that you're like, that's just right. It's just right when someone gets into the baptismal and we don't have to find out whether they lived perfect the last week or whether they've never sinned the last three weeks or whatever it is. And all these men come up and support these two men that were baptized. How many know that there's something right about that? There's, there's, something, there's something right about the fact that nobody's standing at the door making sure that you were perfect this last week before you can come in. How many believe there's something right about that? There's something right about the fact that people will hug you and not ask you what, how long you've been at God's house and you can come in for the first time or come in for the hundredth time and people are going to still be here to embrace you. How many know there's something right about that? There's something about this community that resonates and our greatest accomplishment was being able to see that continue forward. So why don't you give yourself a big round of applause as well for what God is doing through you. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. Sometimes when you're, when you're in the middle of blessing, you miss it. Sometimes when you're flooded with good, you forget that good is there. And being away from God's house for six months and coming back, let me tell you something. Do not, do not neglect this place because 
there's something special. Not, not this place, the people. Like gathered together, that's what makes this place special, is the people that gather in the place. Amen? And that, that's, what, that's what, I mean, it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. And I want to thank you guys so much, as Pastor Guitar said, that you're carrying that torch forward. That you're saying with your own lives and your own family and your kids and your teenagers and all the struggles that you have going on in your family and at home and some of you come to church and this is like your lifeline to hope and grace and love every single week and then you walk out that door and you face some really big mountains and some really big monsters outside of this place and I know it I know it there's huge stress that's laid on our shoulders just in being alive today but I want you to know so thank you so much for continuing to come into this place Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to really say with your life I can't do this I love to hear that from those that are again but I cannot do this without God like I need him and not only do I need him I want him I want that relationship with God and that's what we've been able to see over the last 16 years and we're going to continue to see it moving forward because God is in the house amen amen <clears throat> so I suppose I should read out of the Bible today turn <laughs> Nehemiah 1 in chapter uh, Nehemiah 1 in verse number 1 um, for some of us might be a familiar passage of scripture, but I think it's really interesting when you consider, uh, what Nehemiah is experiencing here in this story. And I just want to say this, there's nothing more powerful than a person with a vision, nothing. There's not any authority that's greater than vision. There's no power greater than that. Once you have a vision inside of your heart, once that vision takes on passion, you're unstoppable. So when we look at the life of Nehemiah, who happens to be in 5th century B.C., God's people were in exile by the Babylon, Babylonians. The city of Jerusalem was in ruins. This is, in Nehemiah's eyes, God's people and God's city, and the walls were crumbled and destroyed and there's destruction and news gets back to Nehemiah who during this time is the cupbearer to a king and I want to read this here it says in chapter 1 verse number 1 the words of Nehemiah in the month of Kislev in the 20th year while I was in the citadel of Susa Han and I one of my brothers came from Judah and some other men and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem and they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province or in a great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. I just want you to imagine this for a moment. Here's God's people that were exiled and now they're starting to come back little by little. But as they're coming back to their city, they're seeing the walls crumbled and everything destroyed. How many here watch Game of Thrones? Raise your hand. Shame on you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Totally kidding. I watch Game of Thrones chapter. I'm, I'm in season five, actually. But, but for those of us that watch Game of Thrones, like what, what a great show to kind of get this picture of what's happening here. Could you imagine the smoldering fire that's like reaching into the heavens from these rooftops and the walls that have been completely crumbled to the ground and, and, and where they walked with their children. Now it's just complete destruction. 
and they come back to this place and they're trying to survive. Nothing there to protect them, no food to eat. I mean, this is a dire situation and Nehemiah has got it going pretty good. Nehemiah is in, in the king's courts. He's a cupbearer to the king. He's close quarters to royalty. He's rubbing shoulders with those on top. He's not on top, but he's around it. He's hearing stories of what's going on in the kingdoms, and he's hearing, hearing what's happening in his own town. So word gets back to him that Jerusalem is in ruins. The city of God is in ruins, and, and Nehemiah in this moment has a decision to make. Either he keeps being normal in what he's been doing, Either he continues to just be Nehemiah or he's got this fork in the road where he has to choose to be like everybody else, to be like every other person that became cupbearer, to be like everyone else who has a job or a career, just kind of skeeting by, just kind of doing, well, it's not my problem. Well, it's not my problem that people are on heroin, Pastor. It's not my problem that there's kids running down on the streets after school with nowhere to go. That's not my problem. That's somebody else's problem. It's not my problem that kids can't get to school in Zambia, Africa. Why, why do we have to put so much money into Zambia, Africa? Why can't we spend a little more money on, on right here? Because and, 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 that's not really our problem. And Nehemiah heard of this reality for Jerusalem, and he could have came to a place where he said, that's just not my problem. Everyone look at the person next to you and tell them, that's not my problem. (laughs) We've all thought that, haven't we? Let's be honest. I mean, let's be honest. Somebody's at work and they're hurting and they're going through difficulty and and we're about to clock out and we we gotta get home and you can tell they're wanting to talk a little bit, but that's, that's not my problem. We, we see issues in our society, not just here locally in our community, but across the country. We see problems that are arising. We know all about it. It's, it's right in our face all the time. And so many times we sit, we kind of step back, well, that, that's not my problem. I'm just going to leave that. But something inside of Nehemiah shifted. There was a shift inside of Nehemiah, and it says to this, here in verse number three, and they said to me, those who survived were in exile and back in the province in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And verse number four says this, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, and Nehemiah, after his heart breaks, the reason you're at God's house is because Something in this world has broken your heart. That's the, that's the same story of this ministry. When we look at those that are outcasts, those that are marginalized, when we look at our, our community and those that are hurting and addicted and facing insurmountable odds, when you go to work and you see families being ripped apart and marriages crumbling, I want, I want you to get a picture in your mind and understand it's at that moment that you have the opportunity to either say that's not my problem or you allow yourself to have a broken heart. And that broken heart is what God's house is about. Because what breaks the heart of God's house is the fact that there are some people that 
need and deserve love that are not being loved. There are some people that have been rejected that need to be accepted, that there are those that others would count out that we have decided at God's house that what gives us the right and and where our faith is and who we are with pushing everybody else down so that we can rise up and say how spiritual we are. No, we have decided to allow ourselves to not say that's not our problem. We will look at the hurt of others and allow that hurt to break our heart. And so Nehemiah prays. Notice something. He hears... His heart's broken. He feels it. He feels it. He's human. He doesn't say, well, you know, I've got some stuff going on. I'm really busy. He, f- he allows himself to feel, to be human, and the empathy, that great power of empathy. He can feel the hurt. Where he's at in the palace, he can smell the smoldering of smoke. I know he's at a distance, but he's envisioning it. He gets down on his face and he weeps and he's envisioning and his heart begins to break for God's people, for God's city, for the temple. He begins to break before this pressure and he cries out to God and he cries out to God, God, don't forsake us, don't forget us. I know, Lord, that we've turned from you, but remember us in our pain, remember us in our exile. And God now, watch this, He says this, he says, God, now give me favor with the king. It says that here in verse number 10, it says this. It says, they are your servants, your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. I want you to see the progression here that God's house goes through all the time. We hear about needs in our community. We hear about needs in our world. This has happened over and over for 16 years. Pastor Burgess in Zambia, Africa, comes to the front door, knocks on the door, and tells us about this community of people in Zambia, Africa, where he was from, that don't have access to a church and don't have access to a school, and we heard it. We heard it, and that next Sunday, we introduced him, and we talked about what could happen if we responded and made a difference in this way, because we got down on our face, and we prayed, and our heart was broken. You know what the church of Jesus Christ needs in our world is a broken heart. Because a lot of the arrogance and the pride and the haughtiness that spews out of so many mouths ruins the testimony of what Jesus is all about. The Bible says Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. We've got this picture of this understanding that Nehemiah was going through this process, so he hears that Jerusalem is crumbling, that it's falling apart, that God's people are exiled and going back to their home. And he gets before God because his heart is so broken, so he hears it, it breaks his heart, and he cries out to God, and he prays, but he doesn't just stop there. And this is what gets God's house in trouble. We never stop with just praying for people. (laughs) 
Lord, I pray you help those, peop- those people over in Zambia, Africa. Everybody reach your hands towards Zambia. God, we pray, and then we write a check and send it. No, no, couldn't do that, could we? Couldn't just send a check to Africa. Couldn't just give some money for someone else to do some good for kids after school. We had to start a whole network called the Center for Success. Why? Because there's something that shifts from hearing a need to crying out to God because your heart is so broken because of that need. And then I want you to notice what Nehemiah does. He says, God, now give me success as I go and do something about this. That's what gets God's house in trouble. That's what makes God's house special. Five years. Yeah, Megan just said it sucks. It does. Five years. Five. From the time we started God's House as a church on 30th and Washington, the old Mr. Steve's building, which, by the way, had the most god-awful green carpet and a green stripe across the wall. It was, it was, the wor- it was what it was. It had to be anointed with a lot of kilts and, and new carpet. And we anointed it with kilts and carpet and, and, and started as a church. And, and, and from that point forward, we continue to see We continue to see the hand of God moving, but five years after starting in 30th and Washington, we bought land in Zambia, Africa. Five years. Five years. Seems aggressive, doesn't it? Have you ever experienced the love of God? How aggressive would you say it is? It's pretty aggressive. Five years in, we said, let's do it. Why? Because we heard of a need, and our heart was broken, and we cried out to God, and then we decided, now let's go do something about it. Ten years into starting on 30th and Washington in the old Mr. Steve's building, Katara wakes up at 3 o'clock in the morning with a vision for kids after school. Just ten years. We're, st- we're still trying to accomplish building the church and school in Zambia, Africa. I mean, we, I mean, we had no money. We had no money. None. You're looking at me like, no, you had some. Like, how'd you do all this? No, we didn't do all this. We jumped into all this and held on for our life. Well, you guys are so successful. No, 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 no. Nope. Nope, not at all. Not at all. Nope. Zero dollars. No money to do anything in Zambia. No money to start anything in this community. We're only 10 years old as a church, and we bought land in Zambia, Africa, and started building over there. I mean, I got pictures back, guys, from Pastor Burgess during those early days because we had no money and they had no money, where he was sending pictures here of of him and his family, Patricia, and the two girls, Renee and Olivia, that because their house was taken from them, that they were living under a tarp in a couple boards. And I sent them money, and he put it toward the school and the church, and I said, you need to take some for yourself. That's, that's the kind of leader that we have over there. But we, we had nothing. We've had nothing this entire time but God. And a vision. And it was a God vision. And when it's a God vision, it's so much bigger than you. It takes on so much more than you could take on. Now, I want you to notice that Nehemiah said, God, I pray that, I pray that you would look on favor with your people. 
God, remember us again. Remember, remember that this is your city. Remember that the temple is there. Remember, God, that, that so that we're not forgotten in this moment. And, 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 and oh, by the way, God, give, give me success because I guess I'm going to do something about it. I mean, think like he, and, and this is what's powerful. After praying this prayer, he writes, he says, I was cupbearer to the king. A trusted position, certainly. I mean, if you're king and everybody wants you dead and people are bringing you wine from time to time, you might want to have somebody that's trustworthy handing you the cup, right? So here we have Nehemiah who has favor with the king already. But when I read that I was cupbearer to the king, immediately I thought, this is our story. God, we want to do these amazing things in the world, Lord. Don't forget our community. Don't forget those that are addicted. Don't forget those that are hurting. Don't forget those that are exiled. The exiles. That's what this is about. This is about rebuilding the walls of our community. This is about rebuilding hope. This is about rebuilding life. This is about rebuilding love. This is about rebuilding trust in the church and trust in God. This is about rebuilding. And God, oh, by the way, give us favor because we're going to do something about it. And, 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 and we're just a few people in downtown Marion. And we're just a cupbearer to the king. And we just started with a little rental house on Spencer Street. And we just had the Mr. Steve's building. And pe- oh, oh, Lord, Lord, give us favor because people think we're a cult. God, I mean, think, think about it for a moment. Lord, Lord, give us, give us your favor. Give us your favor because we're going to do something. And, and, and we're cupbearer. I want you to write something down if you would. I want you to write something down. It's this. A cupbearer with a vision is far more powerful than a king with merely a throne. A cupbearer with a vision is far more powerful than a king with merely a throne. We would look at a king and say they can do so much with their authority. They can do so much with their power. They're sitting on the throne. They have the crown. I'm just a cupbearer. What am I going to do? I'm not a pastor. I don't sing. I don't play guitar. Every single one of you in here, the reason that you're here at God's house after 16 years of ministry, and here we are, and you're here on a Sunday morning, is because you fit into the narrative. Your story resonates with this entire narrative that you have something on the inside of you where your heart has broken because you see others where their hope needs to be rebuilt, and you see others where love needs to be present in their life. You see others where they don't even believe that they're forgiven by God and they're accepted by God but something on the inside of you resonates with that story and so when you hear others are hurting and when you hear that the community needs hope and there needs to be a light you fall down and you pray to God and say God I pray that you would remember Marion Indiana I pray God that you'd remember Grant County Lord remember our children remember our youth remember our young people remember those that are losing their lives to heroin and drug addiction remember those that are lost in a bottle God, remember us, oh God. But oh, don't, don't just, God, don't think I'm just going to pray. I'm ready to do something, God. Grant us success as we go out and make a difference with our lives. And, 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 and by the way, we're just a cupbearer. 
but that's okay. And that's all right. Oh, by, by the way, Pastor, I, I, I don't have any major gifts or talents. Well, let me call BS on that, because you do. <laughs> number one, number two, number two, number two. You should never allow what you've told yourself or what others have said about you to define what your future holds. Get a vision bigger. Get a vision greater than where you currently are. If you don't, it's not vision. Vision is always forward seeing. It's always projected. It's always what will be. It may not be right now. You would look at your bank account and say, what can I do? I'm broke. I would say you could do a whole lot because I've been there. You would look at your education and say, well, I'm highly educated. And I would say, use that education to make the world a better place. You'd say, I've got influence. I would say, use that influence to make the world a better place. Some of you would say, well, I do have money in my bank account. I would say, use that money to make the world a better place. But some of us would look at our lives and say, well, I'm not as successful as someone else. See, Nehemiah could have looked and said, well... If, if the king wants to do something about this, maybe, maybe, Lord, I'll pray for success and I'll ask the king that maybe he would go and do this great work. But Nehemiah didn't do that. He said, Lord, grant me success today by granting me favor in the presence of this man, the king. And I was cupbearer to the king. See, a cupbearer with vision. Where are you at? An empty bank account with vision. Is far more powerful than a full bank account with no vision. Big money follows big vision. Not just big money, but big people, influencers, people that you need in your life. Some of you have businesses and nonprofits and ministries and missional work locked up on the inside of you. And the reason that you're so compelled to do it is because you recognize that there's something on the inside of you as Nehemiah experienced, that each one of us are experiencing, that resonates with this story of God's house. That there's this broken heart on the inside of you for someone or something. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a coworker. It could be a boss. It could be someone that you work with or someone that you work for, someone that you interact with. It could be... Just anyone in this community, there's something on the inside of you and you're crying out to God, God, what can I do with my life? Where do I find purpose? Where do I find life calling? And all of a sudden your heart breaks and it feels weird. It breaks my heart when I see kids that don't have the option of school in Zambia. That breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I see families that don't have access to water. It breaks my heart when I see another obituary with one of our young people whose life is taken out because of just nasty drugs, destroying communities, destroying communities. The question that I have for us is, are we praying about it or are we doing something about it? Who of us are heartbreaks? Who of us in here are moved and compelled beyond where we are because God puts this vision inside of us to do something. And it's not enough to pray. It's not enough to come in here and say, God, we need you to do something about this. It's not enough. It's not enough to pray. I know you're going to hear maybe something else from another pastor. 
in another church, but it's not good enough just to come in to a building in a safe environment with safe music and safe hugs and safe high fives. And it's not enough to come in here and pray, God, would you do something about it? God is praying. The Bible says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for us. We're praying for God to do something. God's praying for us to do something. And we heard that call. Over a decade and a half ago, we heard that call. Scared us to death. Katara had never seen herself as being a pastor. Ever. I mean, she had never seen herself leading worship. Guess who ended up leading worship for years? She was just a cupbearer. Guess who started preaching and now preaches in front of thousands of people? Guitar. You know, I saw a video at God's house. It was probably seven years ago. And I was up here rapping. (laughs) Don't push me. I might rap right now. As I'm rapping, Katara is right here dancing. I mean, we, we've heard the call. It drove us to our knees because our heart broke. And then it drove us to do something, to say something. And I'd love for you over this next week to grab your Bible and read Nehemiah and hear all the ups and downs and the struggles and the fighting and all the other kingdoms and kings who sent messages to them and said, oh, it's not going to happen. They, they, they ridiculed them. You know, the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt in like 56 days. I mean, the people got behind Nehemiah. With one hand, they held a building tool, and with the other hand, they held a sword. They were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and fighting off the enemy at the same exact time. You don't do that unless you're crazy enough to do it. Unless something compels you to do it. Until you are forced to do something where all of a sudden what you thought was just like, well, I'm just going to go to church. And then all of a sudden you're like, you find yourself down at the center for success and you got dirt all over your face and all over your body. And you just... You're, you're just sitting with the kids and you're talking to them about the love of God and you look up and you realize something broke your heart and it got a hold of you and there's nothing you can do about it. Nehemiah starts rebuilding, starts recreating. And what I love about this story is if we go to Nehemiah chapter 10 and I want to end here. In Nehemiah chapter 10, in verse number 37, it says this. This is after the walls were built. This is as the city is recovering and coming back. And how many believe that Marion is on its way back? Amen. Not, not back to another day, but back, not even back to somewhere. It's headed forward to somewhere even greater. I don't care what you've heard from other people. You're hearing it from me. Marion's on its way to somewhere greater. Amen. That didn't sound too confident. Here's what I know about Marion. If you're not careful, who you listen to and what you listen to will beat you down until your faith becomes fear, until you believe 
that God can do all this, but he can't do anything in a city with 29,000 people. That God can do all this, split the Red Sea, that God could close the mouths of lions, that God could heal the blind and give them sight, that God can walk on water. But somehow God can't respond to the needs of this community. And I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. That is a lie. God is able to do far more in abundance than you could ever ask or imagine. Close your eyes for a moment, would you? I want you to see God's house. I want you to see this place filled with people that are reaching out for Christ, that are hungry, hungry, hungry for freedom, hungry for peace, hungry for love, hungry. I want you to I want you right now with your eyes closed. I want you to imagine people coming down this altar to this altar that are addicted to drugs, that are being set free. I want you to see people getting out of wheelchairs and being healed and miracles taking place. I want, you, I want you to see families being restored and marriages being healed. I want you to see it. I want you to see this city full of life. And when you're walking down the street, I want you to see happy people and people giving each other high fives and hugs, not just here at God's house, but all over this community and all over Grant County. I want you to see it. I want you to imagine. I want you to know right now that your God can do far and above what you could ever ask or imagine. So we ask. We ask God, Lord, for your favor. As Nehemiah stood in a place where his heart was broken, God, we cry out to you and we thank you for the last 16 years. We praise you for the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows and the people who came and the people who went and the people that came back again. Welcome back, all y'all who left us and came back. We love you anyhow. Even the people that came back after Pastor GJ took over. We love you too. God bless you. God bless you. We know you're here. We know. It's all good. It's all good. No feelings hurt. (laughs) All of it. All of it. It's a mess, isn't it? It's a mess. But here we are in this place. God's doing this work. Now open up your eyes for a moment. I want you to see this. Check this out. This is so beautiful. I love, I read this. I was like, this is, this is it. Verse number 37. Moreover, we will bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of our trees, and of the new wine and oil. We will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron and the company, the Levites, when they receive the tithes and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes of the house of the Lord to the storerooms of the treasury and the people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and oil to the storerooms where the articles for the sanctuary are kept, where the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the singers stay. We will not neglect the house of our God. We just won't. Because there's something special about it. It's the people. It's not that. It's not the building. Church is more than something you attend on Sunday morning. God's house has got to be far more than just a cool place that has cool t-shirts and cool branding and cool bumper stickers. You want one of those churches, they're a dime a dozen anymore. 
I mean, it, it, it seems all we need anymore to just get more people in the door is better marketing. I would suggest that the reason that people are going to flood that door and come into this place is because we flood that door and go out to that place. The reason that this church is what it is is not because it's a building on 6th and Washington. It's because there's a people that are in here that have heard that the walls have been destroyed, that the city is in ruins, that there's hope that needs rebuilt, and there's life that needs rebuilt, and there's peace, and there's joy, and there's grace, and there's acceptance. And it's broken our heart to the place where we've cried out to God and said, God, give us favor. And now we've come to the 16th year, birthday, this anniversary, and we celebrate. But when the clapping's over and the rejoicing is done, what we do is we get up from our pews. Each one of us will do this. Each one of us came in here and we all sat in our own pew. Some of us have been sitting in the same pew. That thin little foam deal is just perfect for our two little butt cheeks we've got that we've got our safe little space i've been sitting here for the last five years pastor it's just perfect we come in here and every single one of us will get up from our pews and we're going to walk out we're going to walk out just like this we're going to walk out every one of us are going to do this everyone hey how you doing brother and everybody's going to give some love to haywood of course And we're all going to walk out this door, but the difference is going to be this. Some of us, some of us are going to walk out and we're going to impact the world around us. We're going to change the city that God has placed us in. Not because we have it all figured out, not because we have enough money or enough stuff. We're going to do this because God has called us. God has called us to do something greater, bigger, more magnificent. Don't worry about that. God touches people's lives. Some, I, I know. Hold on. Just, just let it be. Let God do his thing. Look up here. Look up here. Let God do his thing. Say it looks weird. God doesn't look normal. So maybe it's God, may, you know, whatever. Whatever. Let it be. All of us are going to walk out of this place and we're all going to go out like this flood of impact and positive. We're going to go out into our communities and go out in our workspaces and go out in our families and our homes. And just like Nehemiah, we're going to cry out to God and we're going to say, God, use us. Use us. Give us favor. Give us favor. We're just a few people in downtown Marion. But we have a God. We have a God that we serve who is far greater, far more magnificent than we could ever imagine. And what he's able to do through you, every single one of you, because your story is needed here at God's house. The impact that you're going to bring on this community, this faith community, will be undeniable. But what we need to have happen in every single one of your lives is we need your heart to break. We need your heart to break for something, for someone. We need you to feel again. We need you to hope again for others. We need, we need you to come into this place and respond with your own life and say, Pastor DJ, what can I do? I'm done just coming in and having someone pray for me. I'm done just consuming. I want to contribute. 
I want to do something. Like Nehemiah, there's something that's compelling me to do something. When's the last time you, not the person next to you, when's the last time you went up to this pastor? Pastor DJ, come up here. Let's give Pastor DJ some love right now. I'm ending right here, I promise. I'm ending. I want you to take a mental image of everybody in here because every single person at some point in the next few weeks is going to walk up to you and say, what can I do to contribute? Because other than that, I'm not sure why we would even be here. We all have something to give. Well, I'm just a, no, no, you're not just a cupbearer. Because a cupbearer with a vision is far more powerful than a king with merely a throne. You, you are needed here at God's house. They brought the tithe in. They brought the resource in. God's house could use a little more of that. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So here's the challenge. After 16 years of ministry and six months of not being here, my challenge for every one of you is this. That you don't just hear a sermon and walk out. But you take some time over the next three weeks and you pray. And you say, God, what is this that you want to do in and through my life? Lord, now grant me favor because I'm going to do something about it. And I want you to set up a coffee time with Pastor D. This, your, your schedule is about to get real busy. And don't expect him to buy your coffee. Because some of y'all over the last 15 years invited me out for coffee. And I ended up buying your coffee. How about you don't do that anymore? How about when you invite somebody else for dinner? Pastor Katarna had people invite their family out to lunch with us, and we paid it. How about you don't do that anymore? <laughs> After service, before sir, get with Pastor Jesus, DJ and say, I, I want to do something. I want to make a difference with my life. I'm done just sitting on a pew. I'm ready because the story of God's house resonates with the narrative of my life. What's happened with God's house, no money, trying to make the world better, loving people, trusting, all of that resonates with you or you wouldn't be here. Make sure while you're here, if it's for the next six months, year, 10 years, 20 years, make sure that while you're here, you leave this place different because you impacted it in a positive way. The impact shouldn't come from the platform. The greatest impact in the community of faith should come from the pews. Not from the platform, from the pews. We have to have a shift in our thinking and stop expecting everybody up here to do the work. It's us. We are God's house. And we're a teenager. You're 16 years old. You're 16 years old. Amen? Yeah, sweet 16, yeah. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Kelsey, would you come on up here? Pass the guitar, come on up as well. I know I've gone over just a little bit, um, or a lot. But this used to be my church, so deal with it. <laughs> Let's pray. God, we praise you for this couple. We thank you for this community. And we recognize that 
the work that needs to be done when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall was far greater than what Nehemiah could have done on his own. We recognize that for Pastor DJ and Kelsey and the elders, the staff, our leadership, Erica Horner, who's working with kids every week at the Center for Success. How amazing, how amazing this church is. But Lord, we need more. We need more people to rise up, more people to take responsibility, more people to contribute financially and with their time, God. We just pray, Lord, that as you bless us over this last 16 years with wonderful leaders and wonderful people, we, God, we ask, Lord, that you would bless us the same way moving forward and that you would do mighty, mighty, mighty things through this place, Lord. We do speak for multiplication, God, that you would increase this place, God, in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for it. We give you praise for it. And we know that it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together and bless the Lord today. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's weird. That's all good. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. So good. Uh, mm, Yeah. All right, guys. You can stand to your feet this morning with us. Thanks for hanging out long today. You know, we can go back when I came to God's house, service was like three hours. Yeah. Now we'd open up the altar and have about a two-hour altar call, so come on down. Uh, But actually, if you do need prayer in your life for anything, our prayer partners will be up here in front, and uh, you can come pray with them. They'd love to pray over you and with you, whatever's going on in your life and situation. If it's your first time here, maybe that's me, uh, there's a connect desk in the back. We'd love to get your information from you so we can connect uh, with you. And then also, it's our 16th birthday, so we are going to celebrate. In the back, there's punch, and there's cake, and there's cookies. And for you vegan, vegetarian, healthy people, there's some carrots and salary. You're welcome. Someone asked me why we don't provide more healthy food at events, and I figured it out when I went to buy the cookies. It's way cheaper to buy sugar, just for the record. That, that's why, which is my excuse now. I'm trying to be on a budget and a cookies. Anyways, okay, so straight sugar, straight sugar budget. And then can we one, one more time just thank Ryan and Katara for being here this morning? Love you. Seriously. So awesome. So awesome. I'll just say this as... This is the first time I've ever taken over an organization, right? Like, I've never had this, this, it's done, well, thank you. Um, but it's so interesting. A lot of people have said to me, how does that work with transition? Is that awkward? Is that weird? And I'm like, no, it's been really good. And it's strange and it's unique. And I think that's the beauty of you guys and that's the beauty of this place. So thank you for that. So join us out back. Before we go, let's confess the blessing over ourselves and our week so I don't start preaching, all right? Here we go. That my best... And most blessed days are ahead of me. We love you guys. Be back here next week.